everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about it. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, after a pretty long hiatus, is my dear friend and co-host, Jonathan Strickland. Hi, Ariel. And just to be clear, the hiatus was for the show, not not just for me. No, like, we're still friends. We were friends through the hiatus. <laughs> yeah. But the show took a hiatus, and there is a good reason for that. Well, yeah, good is maybe not the right word. There there's, is a there's reason a, for that. A valid reason. Yes. A valid reason. <laughs> so, so let's give you a peek behind the curtain because we want to be transparent. So back in the early days of Large Nartron Collider, it was just a personal project, a fun thing that Ariel and I did together. It was Ariel's idea, and we figured out what we wanted to do, and we started doing it. And then there was a point where... Uh, it was going to be complicated about me continuing to do the show because I also work as a, a professional podcaster for iHeartRadio. And there was a question about whether or not we should do the show because of non-compete issues, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to go into it. It's all boring. <laughs> and ultimately, the, de the decision was to bring Large Nerdron over to iHeart, which we did uh, after... <laughs> after a long process. Yes. And uh, then we did the show with iHeart for a while. But, you know, sometimes shows just take longer to take off or sometimes they don't take off at all. It doesn't mean that the people who are listening aren't great. You guys are fantastic. Yes. We just we just didn't have enough of you. So mm -hmm. so the decision had to be made to to cut the show. But we were given the opportunity to continue the show as long as I take over all the jobs of editing and production and publishing, and then we're 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 fine. And and Jonathan, being the masochist that he is, said yes, I want to do this, uh, which means the world to me because I love doing this with you as well. So the fact that you're willing to give up the very small amount of free time you have to do this uh, means the world to me. <laughs> well. I truly enjoy doing this show and and it's a, a great creative outlet. Uh, your idea of mashing up different stuff in order to make something new is one that immediately appealed to me. So I'm glad I still get to do it. But before we get to that, well, well a couple things. Uh, you'll notice some changes in the show. Uh, we have new music. Uh, there are no ads. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> and and we've kind of changed the 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 format a little bit, but we're still doing kind of news on top mashup on the bottom. Mm -hmm. We're like a weird grocery store clerk. I, I mean, they're the best grocery store clerks. If you, if you watch, you know, like stranger things or any show, it, the weird clerks are the best ones. Um, the ones that people remember the most. Uh, I know you said we weren't going to start with a question, Jonathan, but um, I, I, I want to know what you, what geeky things, have you gotten up to anything geeky during the hiatus? Just real briefly. I know, I know we don't want to sure. make this a very long episode for you to edit, but. So, so I've, you know, I watched the first episode of She-Hulk, which is something I'm going to have to reckon with when my wife gets back. She's currently out of town, <laughs> which means I watched the first episode without her. And um, that's always a dangerous thing to do. But you know, I'll watch it again. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, I recently started watching The Boys, which has been on for like they finished their third season this past year. Mm -hmm. And I had not been watching it. I had seen clips and stuff. And I know what The Boys is about. Uh, so I finally actually started watching it. 
uh, with a caveat. So my anxiety doesn't really let me watch super dark stuff without which, suffering like trauma. <laughs> which the boys is super dark. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I have been writing that advance the video ten seconds button a lot. So, so there are scenes, and also there's certain scenes where if it's if it's a, a scene with the deep, I'm just like, yeah, skip, 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 skip. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> like, I yeah, don't care. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes his stuff is interesting, but there's a lot of there's a lot of super dark and violent stuff. There's a lot of disturbing stuff, and there's a lot of disturbing sexual stuff as well so yeah no no it's it's and i mean it's all that was what was meant to be from the beginning and i understood that but there are just certain sequences where i'm like i'm like yeah i'm having a trauma response watching this and ultimately this is supposed to be kind of entertainment and i realize like you've got to have conflict or you don't have a story yeah um it's just occasionally that conflict reaches a level that's beyond my current threshold, which, to be fair, was never super high, but it's definitely not as high as it used to be. I, so um, that's what I've been doing. Okay. I, I watched the first two seasons of The Boys, and it has some characters I really like, but I, in the end, I was like, is this, is this adding value to my life in any way? And while the acting is superb and the actors are great and the special effects are brilliant and, and all that – it just it, it was too dark for me. And so this latest season, knowing some of the things they do, I was like, I I won't be able to handle that. I'm just going to step away. Maybe I'll watch some best of clips for the moments that I know I want to see. Because uh, the characters of Mother's Milk and Frenchie are both phenomenal. Um, they're the most likable people in the show. Uh, <laughs> I have been. I went to – part of the reason it took us so long to get back to this, you guys, is I went to New York and watched Beetlejuice. Finally. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I can't believe you hadn't seen the movie until you went to New York to watch it. At the musical, Jonathan. Oh, the Beetlejuice. Right. Beetle well, I know that, but you just said Beetlejuice, not Beetlejuice okay. the musical. Beetlejuice the musical, which was phenomenal. I'm so glad I went to see it on Broadway. I also ended up seeing uh, American Buffalo with Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Elliott um, because – not Sam Elliott. Oh, my God. Sam Rockwell. I am so sorry. Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Rockwell, because when am I going to see those two on stage from seven rows away ever again? Um, mm -hmm. So that's why I did that. Uh, <laughs> and it was a great like masterclass in acting to watch it. So that was really cool. And then I went to Disney, which was great and way too hot in July. And I caught COVID and then life has just been catching up. I haven't watched She-Hulk yet. I'm still finishing up Miss Marvel. Um but I did see Thor Love and Thunder and uh, that was OK. You know, I still haven't seen it. I am waiting for it to start streaming and then I'll watch it then. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still not going to movie theaters. So I, I think I will make a, an exception for that coming up soon. But I'll talk about that more when we get to uh, that part of our news sure. items where we're talking about, you know, the the roadmaps ahead for various comic book film uh, pathways. But first, let's start with a discussion about the new trailer for the new season of the not new web series Cobra Kai and that, now streaming series. I was saying, it's not a web series anymore. It started as a web series. It did. It started on YouTube. My husband actually bought, I think, YouTube Red, YouTube Premium, whatever, whichever one you get their premium content on, probably premium. Mm. That would make sense. Um, to watch it, and we've been watching it ever since. Uh, 
I know you have not watched the series, Jonathan, and that's right. Didn't really know what was going on, correct? No, no. When I watched that trailer, uh, all I could take home was that everyone seems to be shutting down their dojos. The bad guy from Karate Kid Three is stepping up to be an uber like billionaire bad guy dude Mm -hmm. uh, with with ideas of world domination through opening up karate dojos uh and and as i watched it i thought i don't know what's happening and i don't know if i care enough to find out so what i will say i I am excited for the new season partially because chosen's in it partially because of who they're bringing in is a new dojo master for cobra kai uh partially because johnny drives around in an eagle fang van which is hilarious and i love and i have a cobra kai shirt now i need an eagle fang shirt but um every season i watch I am frustrated to heck and back with the characters and the bad decisions they make. (laughs) Right. But without the bad decisions, there's no story. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is, I mean, this is the same thing. The trailers for each season almost feel too similar for me, even though I've watched all the seasons and I enjoy them. Uh, But, but yeah, the, the bad guy from karate kid three was the bad guy last season. And now he's even badder. Uh, because you know what's worse than being uh, a violent, um, unhinged person like Crease is being a charming, violent, unhinged person, which is what this other villain is, uh, Silver. So um, yeah. it it looks good. I'm excited for it. I honestly, this new trailer barely touches on where season four left off at. And I was kind of surprised by that. And I was worried that maybe I missed a season of Cobra Kai in the interim of (laughs) my pandemic fog. Uh, But that's not the case. They just decided to show more of, I guess, the later part of the season. That's funny. It's interesting that they, because, you know, you, you realize like the way that they end these series or these seasons rather that it's all designed to, to keep you hooked so that you want to see the next one. Mm -hmm. It's funny that when they show you a trailer for the next one, they're like, yeah, we're not going to tell you how we got everybody from there to here. You're going to have to tune in for that. And you're like, come on. Like you already got me because I was hooked from the last season and I want to see what happens. And instead of you letting me know, you're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll tell you at some point, but here's some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I'm glad it's continuing to get seasons. Um, I enjoy it. The acting's great. It's fun. There are lots of really fun choreographed fight scenes. So that's that's all up my alley. Uh, something that I bet was up your alley, Jonathan, was the trailer for Wednesday. Yeah. So, of course, Tim Burton's you know behind the new Netflix series that's coming out uh, called Wednesday, based off Wednesday Adams from the Adams Family. And uh, I watched this teaser. I watched it with some trepidation Mm -hmm. because Tim Burton, like early Tim Burton stuff is stuff that I really enjoy. Like Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is a a brilliant film. It's, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not flawless, but it's really entertaining and it's interesting world building. But then you get into some later Tim Burton stuff and like some of the more recent stuff where, it's Tim Burton that is Tim Burton-ness mm-hmm. where everything is that swirly curly cue kind of aesthetic and everyone is quirky and dark in weird ways. And 
it just gets to be a bit much. It feels like it's Tim Burton dialed it, up to it's, 11. It feels like it feels like an anti-cultural boilerplate movie. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't I, I don't resonate with those as much. Mm-hmm. But this trailer, while it is unmistakably Tim Burton esque, it doesn't feel like it's it's saturated to the point where it's all bleeding through it feels a little more held back yeah if if i had watched the trailer and they hadn't put up by tim burton and i hadn't read that it was by tim burton i may not have actually known yeah and i i really like the teaser i felt that the tone was was great it definitely is not something made for all ages it has an edgier tone uh, but then the original cartoons did too i think a lot of people they think about the the television adaptation Mm -hmm. uh, that was really charming and appropriate for families. And then they think a little bit of the early nineties movies, the Christina Ricci as, as Wednesday Adams, where, yeah, they had some edge to them, but a lot of it was left up to your imagination. imagination. Yeah. And this looks like it's a little more graphic than that. Maybe not, not overly graphic, but definitely showing you the consequences of some of the actions. Like, the famous opening sequence of the first Adams Family movie shows the family as they are preparing to dip a cauldron of boiling oil on top of some carolers who are at the front door, but you don't see the oil hitting the carolers. Mm-hmm. You see some piranhas going for targets mm-hmm. and <laughs> in, some blood. In this this teether. Yeah, you see plenty of blood in that too. So it's definitely a step further than what we saw with the, the earlier films. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it looks like it could be really entertaining. I, I agree. It did catch me by surprise. Cause I'm one of those people who forgot that previous Adams family had that edginess to it. Um, because again, they never showed it and my imagination just decided not to go there. Um, <laughs> so it was both a little darker than I anticipated and also a little more teeny bopper. This is, this is definitely like, a teen-focused high school drama, which is fine. Um, I love the casting. I know that some people got up in arms about uh, casting, um, and I don't understand it because everybody looks brilliant. Yeah, I think it looks great. You also, if you go back and look at the original cartoons and you look at how the characters look in the original cartoons, I think that the the casting makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be really fun, entertaining performances. So um, I at least am willing to watch the first episode and see how I feel about that. But I mean, my, my first, my gut instinct is I'm really going to dig the series. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to give it a try. I've, I've given tries to shows that appealed to me a whole lot less. So we'll have to talk about it when we do Uh, something else we want to talk about though. Hopefully we won't get too tirady is, all this stuff we missed during our hiatus about DC and Marvel and streaming and all of the upheaval that's drama? happening with that. Yeah. 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 There's, there's way more drama happening off the screen than on the screen, as it turns out. Like it is it, so much has happened. So when we were going on hiatus, we knew that there was this oncoming merger between Warner Brothers and Discovery. That was something that we had talked about previously. Yeah. But since then, the acquisition has uh, progressed, and we've started seeing some massive changes as the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslav, 
who came from the discovery side and interest of full disclosure used to be my boss because <laughs> how stuff works used to be part of the discovery yeah. network or discovery communications. Um, he's made some big changes. And one of them is that he, he has come to the conclusion, which is pretty hard to argue against. It's just, it's, it's just savage. He's come to the conclusion that spending enormous amounts of money to produce content for streaming platforms doesn't have uh, a lot of economical sense behind it. There's not a good return on investment that you don't make your money back. And therefore for big, big productions, for example, for stuff that's within the DC universe, that should be geared toward theatrical release, not streaming platforms to that end. Uh, they shelved permanently the film Batgirl. I, so we're not going to see it. Yeah. Uh, you, you linked to an article about, I, uh, from, um, from IGN.com, which outlines a whole bunch of what's going on really well. And I agree. Like I cannot, I cannot argue with the fact that they need a better approach for DC movies. Uh, even the ones that people are like, are we even going to get a, the Batman too? I'm like, please no. It was so boring. Um, <laughs> and I realized a lot of people liked it. It was just too slow for me. Um, and that only a few of their like offshoots have really been successful. And to be fair, like we're going to get a second Joker movie. Do I think it's necessary? Not really. Um, but we're going to get it because it did well. I understand them wanting to have a better overall approach, wanting to try for something more cohesive that is successful. Um, I even get them saying maybe for movies we need to focus on the big screen because, I mean, there's a whole lot that goes into that beyond just, like, movie theaters have, you know, relationships with directors and producing houses, and they have to keep those as well. So I understand that they want a better investment, a return on their investment. Um, and I also heard that, like, the script for the Batgirl movie wasn't super great. There there were there were talks that uh, the early test screenings were relatively lackluster. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anyone was saying that they were absolute bombs, but that, you know, the audience response was middling. Right. And that chances are in order to get it to a better place, you would have to do reshoots, which means more money. The film had already gone over budget. The original budget, I believe was 75 million and it had gone up to 90. Mm -hmm. Then after that, you also have, you know, the promotional consideration, how much marketing money are you going to pay into it? So you do understand that trying to fix something is going to cost more money. Yeah. And if you're already at the thought that something that's meant just for streaming is not going. Taking ultimately the story is, and I don't know if this is true, but the story is that they chose to shelve Batgirl as a tax write-off. And the trade-off is that the film can never be released commercially or else it invalidates that tax write-off. That stinks. Which means there's no chance of us seeing it unless someone leaks it. Um, which is which is unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could make a new Batgirl movie. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, this was a movie where we were also going to see Michael Keaton come back as Batman, which was really I thought exciting. That was in and the Flash movie. Uh, but also in Batgirl. Well, and we don't know if we're going to get the Flash movie either. <laughs> Now, part of the reason we don't know if we're getting the Flash movie is because we don't know what else DC is going to cut from their slate or 
this whole merger is going to cut, you know. But the other reason is because Ezra Miller has been making some really poor decisions lately. Now, they say that they're getting help for it and they, they want to make amends. And I really hope that's the case and that they're able to live a healthy, happy, productive life because I do enjoy their performances and I think everybody deserves a chance to correct their behavior. Agreed. Uh, their behavior has been reportedly uh, difficult to uh, to forgive easily yes. because there there's some very serious allegations uh, that that go along with Ezra Miller's behavior, and so this has brought up a lot of questions like how do you promote a film where the lead character is played by an actor who has been in such high profile negative publicity. And does that make the film toxic? And if mm -hmm. so, is it better to just cut your losses and walk away? Hard to say, especially when you're talking about something as big budget as the Flash movie. Like, that's a huge yeah. investment. It's well, not easy to just walk away from that. And I feel like they already are kind of doing that because I honestly, until you mentioned it, forgot about some of the larger accusations against Ezra Miller the article on variety kind of talks about some of their smaller infractions. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of trying to, to smooth that over already, which is not necessarily good. Um, but that's all we need to say on that. We'll see what happens there. I really hope that thing, the TV shows that are successful don't get cut young justice, Harley Quinn, doom patrol, uh, Peacekeeper, peacemaker. I still can't get it right. I watched yeah. the entire season and I still can't get it right. And then I really hope we get the Blue Beetle series because just aesthetically it appeals to me. And then I really like uh, the the lead actor in it who is also one of the lead actors in Cobra Kai. Um, I would not hold your breath for what well, Peacemaker we've heard is definitely getting a second season, which is that surprised me. And that Harley Quinn is more likely than not safe. Everything else is questionable. And mm -hmm. I would not hold my breath. I mean, uh, David Zaslav has said that he plans to cut another $3 billion from the joint merger, merged uh, companies of Warner Brothers and Discovery. And that may just be a conservative estimate. And that is a lot of money. So I would say that, you know, be ready to be disappointed and hope that maybe things turn out better. And if they do, that's great. Uh, but yet the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, there we don't we really don't know what's going on with DC and whether or not we're going to get yet another reboot where mm -hmm. things are just going to get completely wiped off and it and it changes again uh, because there there's been talk that Zaslav would much prefer to see DC do something similar to what Marvel did, which is to try and create a more coherent uh, uh, timeline and coherent plan, which kind of brings us to talking about what's coming up for Marvel. Yes. Okay. So real quick before we do that, I wanted to say everything in the IGN article, I can't even like super fault exception of the end where they say that Discovery Plus appeals more to women and that HBO Max appeals more to men. That's incorrect. I do like that's, Discovery. That's yeah, I like feel like that's shows, sexist, but... sexist uh, uh, yeah. opinion there, which unfortunate mm -hmm. to see in an article. But yes, I agree. Yeah. So uh, 
the the big thing with MCU is a lot of the things that they've announced that we'll talk about are very exciting. At the same time, I'm having a little bit of burnout right now. The last stuff has been a decent fun, like the last few things have been decent and fun, but nothing super exciting. Exception of, I will say, like, Miss Marvel is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I don't know if trying to copy that route is at this point is necessarily the best path. Yeah, I got some interesting thoughts on this because I agree. I think Miss Marvel is the standout for the most recent. Well, and I still haven't seen Thor, but I, everything I've heard tells me that Thor is fine. It was like, fun. That's that's kind of what I hear. Like it's fun slash fine. And that's it. Uh, like it like like uh, some people say it's the most Taika Waititi of all the Taika Waititi entries mm-hmm. and that that that's both good and bad. And so that's, but I still haven't seen it. Uh, but I love Miss Marvel. Uh, I've enjoyed the first episode of She-Hulk. I, I feel similarly, but I also think that we're one way of looking at this is we're in the reset stage for Marvel in the sense that the infinity saga was the first really big storyline, right? Mm -hmm. It, It crossed over from phase one through phase three. And then the consequences of it are have reached into phase four, which is what we're in right now. Yeah. Um, and that the new big one is the Kang saga. And that's from phase four through phase six, which means we're still in the early stages of that story unfolding where we're getting introduced to new characters and they're laying the groundwork. And if you think of it that way, you can say, all right, Obviously, they're not going to be able to keep up the same epic scale that was toward the end of the Infinity Saga, because then you can't build to anything. You got to bring it back down. I don't think they've done that in the best way. I think that it still could have been more entertaining. Like, I was disappointed by the second Doctor Strange movie. I like bits of it, but overall, I was kind of disappointed. It wasn't as strange as I was hoping. Yeah, and also, it was so, like, I... I, I feel conflicted because it it depended so heavily on people having watched WandaVision for you mm-hmm. to understand what Wanda was doing. If you had not seen WandaVision, you'd be sitting there thinking, OK, who the heck are these kids? Where did they come from? Who's the father? Because they never mentioned that <laughs> in yeah. Doctor Strange, too. And so, yeah, it's just one of those things where where it felt like a misstep to me Uh you know, ideally you would be able to go into the movie and enjoy it, even if you had not seen WandaVision. Now, I love WandaVision. I think it's still the best of all the uh, the streaming Marvel uh, products that have been created. But that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I just felt that mm-hmm. it wasn't great storytelling. Like if I had not had that experience, I would have just been thinking, like, why should I care about why is Wanda caring about this? Who are these kids? Yeah. They just came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. All of the all of the little uh, Easter eggs in it can't make up for some lackluster storytelling. Uh, that being said, there are things upcoming for Marvel that I'm very excited about. I think the trailer for the new Black Panther movie looks phenomenal. I even cried a little bit. I'm super excited that Namor's in that. Um, I yeah. Yeah, Wakanda Forever's trailer. If you have not seen it, and I can't imagine you haven't if you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. do yourself a favor and watch it. It is possibly the best superhero trailer I have ever seen, and you never get a full look at the yes. superhero. <laughs> yes. 
uh, I will say I'm pretty ex- excited for Ant-Man and Wasp because I have enjoyed all of those movies so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything else I'm excited for is like I, everything else that's movie coming out. Sure. It's fine. It's going to be fun. I will go watch it. But the things I'm most excited for, well, I guess Blade is a movie and I'm excited for Blade are, are the TV shows like Echo and Daredevil and yeah, the fact that Daredevil's coming back Ironheart. and Vincent D'Onofrio is coming back as Kingpin, which kind of gives you a spoiler as to, you know, the fact that he survived the ending of Hawkeye. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> the way the Hawkeye ends, the implication is that he's dead. But uh, clearly, if he's coming back for Daredevil, he's not. And if you read the comics, then yeah, of course you know that he's coming back. He'll probably be blind, but he'll be coming back. Um, and, you know, I, I'm... I'm jazzed for the Daredevil series. I love that we're getting a little bit of Daredevil earlier in She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been teased, so we know that's going uh, to happen. Which we've been wanting to happen, so. Yes, yes. In fact, our mashup is all about that. But our uh, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched the first episode, it doesn't happen in the first episode. So <laughs> they're saving that <laughs> for it. a little bit later down the line. Dang it. But uh, yeah, it's. I'm more excited about the streaming stuff as well like we know a little bit about phase five you know we're getting guardians volume three um we're getting uh the marvels which will be exciting to find out what the heck happened to kamala khan um we're getting again i haven't i haven't finished miss marvel so oh you haven't oh well Stay all the way through the credits because <laughs> okay. that will explain why I said you find out what happens to Kamala I, Khan. I was group watching it with a friend and then vacations and life circumstances with that friend oh. meant that we couldn't catch up. So I'm glad you I'm glad you told me, though, because there is like a reveal that is a mind blowing <laughs> reveal that's very casual at the end of Miss Marvel. And I am dying to talk to you about it because okay. The implications it has for the MCU are crazy, um, but well, I'm, I'm you fast need to watch tracking. it before you get there. I'm fast tracking catching up uh, in between the new season of Lock and Key, and also uh, I fell down the rabbit hole of Critical Role, Calamity, and Dimension 20's uh, Court of Fame Flowers. Oh, so, so that's funny because I've started, well, I haven't been watching full episodes, but I've watched a lot of clips. I don't have the patience to watch a full Critical Role episode. I can't set aside four and a half hours to, to watch one episode, but I'll watch the clips. And I have I have come to love the voice actors and their characters out of the clips, but I have no context for what's going on. Oh, well, it took me like it's taken me two days to get two hours into the first episode. But this is a mini arc. You don't need to know a lot about the world or the previous campaigns. So it's only 16 hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, uh, Miss Marvel's going to the top of that list now that I can get back track, back on track on watching it. But De- definitely, definitely. But yeah, um, you know, other movies, I, I like I'm excited for Captain America, but Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't super grab me. So I just I, I feel like this is a great opportunity to feature uh, the new Captain America mm-hmm. and to what what make what makes me wonder is how, if at all, does it fit into the the Kang story? Does it or is it more of something that's tangential? Because I would argue that uh, Captain America Winter Soldier was not directly connected to the Infinity War saga. It was uh, an important 
element because that's where we find out that Hydra had infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and then S.H.I.E.L.D. It dissolves as a result of what we see. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched Winter Soldier. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's like part of the epic story of Infinity Saga. Uh, and I wonder if this new Captain America movie is going to be occupying a similar space within the Kang. Because I can't imagine how you incorporate a Captain America story into something as as cosmic as a Kang storyline. I mean, you can't. Well, I guess you more have to incorporate Kang into the street level of Captain America, the new Captain yeah. America. Um, and then we're getting some stuff. So I, I do want to see that because I really like Anthony Mackie. Mm-hmm. He's great. Um, he's he's phenomenal. And I, I love watching him. So I will watch it. I will probably enjoy it. I'm just not excited for it yet. And yeah. then there are things that we're getting, like the Thunderbolts in Secret Wars that I'm just like not at all excited for and maybe i should be maybe i'm a bad geek but thunderbolts is kind of the well it's not kind of it is the mcu equivalent of suicide squad and yeah S- secret war is kind of like uh all of Do you these mean secret war or secret invaders <laughs> no secret invasion is is the scroll skull scroll crawl scroll scroll thank you um <laughs> that's the secret invasion secret war is something they're talking about in like like one of the last things coming out yeah that's and, that's that's like the the conclusion of the kang uh yeah arc. where they where they my understanding and maybe i'm getting this wrong because i have not read it is all of the superheroes get like transported to a planet and it's kind of like they all have a smash brothers brawl out for these cosmic beings. It's 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 interesting because there was a Secret Wars event that happened much, much, much earlier that had to do with the Beyonder, which is not a character that I expect we'll ever see in the MCU. But then I didn't think we'd see Celestials either. So what do I know? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, th- there's that one. But then the later Secret Wars is one where everyone gets transported to the battle planet. And uh, and they lots of people heroes and villains duke it out there and it's often these are used to help kind of create a new foundation to build from you know Mm -hmm. we've seen this in comic books a lot where there's this big event and the main purpose for the big event is because things have gotten so complicated across all the different titles that it becomes difficult to create anything because everything's so confusing so it's kind of like all right that's it. Everyone out of the pool. We're we're picking teams. If you're not I, picked, just go home. <laughs> I kind of already feel like that, so I understand why they're going there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and once they opened up the multiverse door, there was like, okay, well, now, if it wasn't too complicated before, it definitely is now. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, our, our dear friends who are listening, don't get me wrong. I still love MCU, and I'll still watch their stuff. I just... <laughs> I, I'm I am... A, a lull. I I understand uh, because, yeah, I feel like Doctor Strange just really let me down. I I lost a lot of momentum with that. What was the one before that? What was the one before Doctor Strange? As uh, far as the go? No Way Home. Yeah, that that. One, No Way Home didn't really like I liked bits of No Way Home, but I didn't. That one didn't really resonate with me that much either. Um, and the Eternals was a total miss for me. So, <laughs> yeah, that that was a giant whiff. They're like maybe some good things, but even like. 
So there is a, a, I think we talked about this, there is an Easter egg, there's a blade Easter egg in the very end of Eternals, and it's so vague that unless you know, and then like deep dive research, you're not going to know. Right. Yeah. I, I, when I watch the post-credits sequence and you hear Blade, but Blade is not on screen, I didn't know who that was or why I should care. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then now, I looked into it. Then I realized, like, oh, I know who it is. I still don't care. But I know who it is now. I mean, I'm excited for Blade. Blade is such the, a fun, I'm, I, I'm excited fun. for the. I'm excited for the actor because the actor is amazing. But I don't have any fondness for the character. Maybe the film will change that for me. Because, yeah. you know, I, I felt the same way about other characters. Like Guardians of the Galaxy. I never cared about them until I saw the movie. And so mm-hmm. there's totally the opportunity to turn me around on this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that being said, I I feel like we've we've talked a lot about this, but it's time to maybe go into our mashup because. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we've uh, we've kind of exhausted this. The yeah. other element we were talking about is just this this issue about streaming, about figuring out that balance between production and, mm-hmm. you know, what that benefit. because here's the issue with that, just to go super fast. Netflix was pouring tons of money into production largely in an effort to continue to attract new subscribers. And then once Netflix started to show that it was having a, a net loss in subscribers, the dominoes started to fall because yeah. then, and then all the other streaming services started getting scared too. So that's why we're kind of in this world where it's not just happening at Warner brothers discovery. Although I would argue that's the most visible place where it's happening, mm-hmm. but all the streaming services are starting to question how much is appropriate to spend in production to make the material to attract people to your platform? Yes. And before before we go on, because now you've opened this door, I am very, very torn on it. Because on the one hand, I'm an actor. I want as many uh, productions to be happening as possible. So I have as many chances as possible to do the thing that I love, which is to tell stories and to entertain other people. Right. But on the other hand... Netflix was coming out with so much that it was becoming impossible for me to find the things I wanted to watch on their platform and to decipher what would be for me versus what wouldn't. A lot of their stuff just fell flat, in my opinion. And I know people who have left the streaming service because that's all that was coming up in their their feed. And so there was to them, there's nothing on Netflix they want to watch, despite the immense amount of new projects that netflix is pulling out so i'm very torn i do think that there should be quality control and and maybe a pairing down but on the other hand that that i don't want that to mean less opportunities for me so well the issue there of course is that if you lose enough subscribers all the opportunities go away because the (laughs) the company goes out of business so but but i'm sure we'll revisit this many times i think this is just you know, kind of the next evolutionary step in the streaming business model and that mm-hmm. we will figure out the right way forward. Uh, and, and it's kind of similar to how like we're still seeing films, try and figure out like how much do you pour into a movie production well, in, in a world where the box office numbers, while much better than they were early on in the, the post pandemic phase are still not to pre pandemic numbers for the most yeah. part. Yeah, and maybe maybe we're learning that everybody having their own individual streaming service is not the best route to go. Because <laughs> I, I can't afford them all, so you're gonna 
you're going to lose me once I've caught up on your shows while I go watch the shows on another streaming platform. I'm not keeping all of those subscriptions. I'm going to cancel them and rebuy them. Like that's yeah. just fiscally the, the thing that I need to do. So totally I'm on the same page and uh, something that we're not on the same page about because we, we don't know what each other did <laughs> is our mashup. So for those who are listening, maybe for the first time, this is where we're going to mash up two properties to make something new. Now, in this case, we're cheating, I think, because we're not taking two completely unconnected, totally not uh, similar properties and then mashing them together. In fact, we're taking two properties that are getting mashed together. But uh, we're we're kind of pushing uh, She-Hulk and Daredevil together to to make our own little law show. Yeah, you've been wanting She-Hulk and Daredevil together since back when they announced there was going to be a She-Hulk show. So before we knew they were doing it. Before we knew that Daredevil was going to show up in that series, I was saying, well, this was before we even knew that Charlie Cox was going to come back to the MCU. Right. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We, we he had not done No Way Home. We did not know if they were going to bring Daredevil back in and if they were, if Charlie Cox would be playing it. So, yeah, this was something I had been pitching for a while and we finally got around to it after they've decided they're actually going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I do think it happened in the comics. I'm not sure. I think it happened in the comics. So still not completely original, but we just decided to bite the bullet and do it. Yes. So these are our kind of if you like to think of it, our pitches for how She-Hulk and Daredevil could uh, coexist in the same property. All right. I think I'm going to go first because, admittedly, I love She-Hulk. I love her in concept, um, everything about her. Uh, I even wanted to be She-Hulk for a while. But I actually haven't read many of much of her properties, so this is a very, like, surface-level mashup. I'm and, just and you say. haven't seen the first episode either, right? And I, I haven't seen the first episode yet either, no, because right. I have to finish Miss Marvel first. Sure. Maybe yes. I don't have to, but I am choosing to. I want to do it chronologically. Okay, so this is called Dry Times in Super Law, or Better DM Daredevil. Because I also just finished Better Call Saul. Brilliant. Okay, so... The West Coast Avengers were doing a great job at keeping the city safe. Crime was down, streets were clean, and Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, found that she had a sudden lack of clients to represent. So she decided to visit her cousin Bruce in New York. New York had always had crime, right? Now, this isn't a dig on New York. I love New York. Beetlejuice was amazing, like I said earlier, and I want to go back. But I also (laughs) used to want to be She-Hulk, and I never wanted to study law. And, okay, I just am getting off, so I digress. When Jennifer got to New York, she found that crime there was also at an all-time low. While I'm here, she thought, I can't leave without doing at least one case. So she went to the local courthouse to volunteer some time as a public defender. And before you ask, when you're a superhero super lawyer, courts are willing to waive bar laws for the prestige, I imagine. Okay, so back to the story. When Jennifer all hulked out, got to the courthouse, she was ushered into the room where she would wait for a judge to arrive and assign her her charity case because she was doing it pro bono. Uh, But when she entered the room, she realized she wasn't alone. Leaning against the wall in the corner of the room was a rather fit but fairly normal-looking dude with sunglasses on. Or that's what the common non-lawyer would think. She-Hulk knew this was a one-blind Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, a.k.a. Ace New York lawyer and street-level soup. He said, You sound tall. You must be... Jennifer Walters. Sorry, I've lost my place in my mashup. I write this down, people. Uh, Bruce told me you were coming. And just then, the judge walked in with a slightly uneasy look on his face. 
And that's when he delivered the bad news. There was only one case to be tried on the books. An old woman who was being tried for rescuing kittens off the street and selling them as purebreds to unsuspecting cat enthusiasts. Yes, she stole money, but she was also rehoming cats, so it was barely even a crime. Both lawyers were so desperate for a case that at the exact same time, they reached for the file and yelled, I'll take it. What ensued was a tug of war with each lawyer trying to convince the judge that they should be assigned the case. Their anger got higher and higher. Their faces faces got closer and closer. And the judge couldn't tell whether they were about to punch each other or kiss each other. And that's when the file ripped in two, flinging the two super lawyers across the room. The judge had no patience for this. Matt Murdock was a great lawyer, but the She-Hulk was a superhero. Yes, the judge didn't know that Matt was Daredevil. But then again, She-Hulk also couldn't technically didn't technically prove that she could practice law in New York. So he decided the best thing to do would be let the defendant decide who would be the best lawyer to represent her. So the two were brought into an empty courtroom with the defendant and the judge, and they started their arguments. High and mighty lawyer speak quickly turned into angry lawyer shouting, and soon the judge and old lady criminal were hiding behind the judge's podium as She-Hulk and Matt Murdock began breaking things, throwing furniture, destroying the courtroom. Thankfully, just then, Foggy and Bruce showed up to take each of their counterparts to lunch. They saw what was happening and pulled the two apart. The judge was so angry at this lack of professionalism that he suspended both lawyers. Also, that judge was still not very smart to not realize that Matt Murdock was a superhero, but then again, you tend to be kind of distracted when you're avoided being hit in the head with a witness stand. So Matt, Daredevil, and Jennifer, She-Hulk, didn't know what to do with themselves now that they couldn't practice law and decided to make amends and become superhero bounty hunters until they got their licenses back, which was a much better team-up the end. (laughs) Uh, i think she hulk does become a bounty hunter so it's kind of in one storyline yeah essentially well our our stories went in very different directions uh (laughs) so mine is called the devil and ms walters jennifer walters has a problem no, it's not that she can transform into a six foot seven Hulk. She's got that more or less under control. It's that she's been assigned an impossible task, defending the Vulture in court. After serving time, Vulture was released from prison. But then Damage Control got involved. See, Damage Control started off as an organization dedicated to cleaning up the collateral damage created by superhero and supervillain tiffs. But now... Now it's a full-blown federal law enforcement agency that apprehends super-powered criminals, and the agency has an axe to grind against the Vulture. So, being the new lawyer in charge of cases involving superhumans, Jennifer is named as the lead for the defense. But it's a couple of hours before she has to go to court, so she's at a diner around the corner from the courthouse, sitting at the counter when she hears, Mind if I join you? And she closes her eyes and she lets out a sigh, because even as Jennifer Walters, folks recognize her as the lawyer who can turn into a Hulk. She gets ready to dismiss yet another aggressive jerk looking to date a superhero when she turns and sees a handsome, well-dressed, and blind man standing a respectful distance from her. Oh, she says. Sure. I mean, no. I mean, please sit down. So the man maneuvers into the seat and says, thanks. And he orders a coffee. Jennifer takes a good look at the man. He's well-dressed, he's well-groomed, he's carrying a briefcase, and so she says, let me take a wild guess. You're a lawyer, too. And the man chuckles. Yeah, I guess it's hard to keep a low profile when you're so near the courthouse. So you too, huh? And she nods. And then she says, oh, uh, yes. And he grins. You nodded at a blind man, didn't you? 
And Jennifer lets out an embarrassed <laughs> laugh. She says, yeah, sorry. And the man just grins and shrugs. Happens all the time. I'm Matt. Matt Murdock of Nelson and Murdock. And he extends a hand in Jennifer's general direction. Jennifer Walters, she says. And she feels his grip change just slightly in her hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm the green lawyer woman. Well, Matt's smile doesn't change. Must be challenging. Celebrity lawyers lead a different life. And I understand you weren't looking for that kind of thing. And Jennifer shrugs and says, didn't really have a choice, but yeah. It's a bit irritating at times, but we still have a job to do, Mr. Murdoch. Well, that we do, Ms. Walters, says Matt. So tell me, you on the attack today? And Jennifer grins, nope. Courts have decided that a super heroic prosecutor might unfairly influence juries. I mostly stick with defense cases these days. I'm representing the vulture, in fact. Damage control really has it out for the guy. Then Matt Murdock frowns. The vulture? Hang on a second. And he reaches into his briefcase, pulls out a couple pieces of paper, one in text, one in braille. And he says, do you mean Adrian Toomes? Walters looks at the papers. Wait, you're representing Toomes? That can't be right. And then Matt looks confused, too. He's like, what's going on here? I mean, Toomes has made some big mistakes, but damage control is unfairly targeting him, practically guaranteeing they're going to push him harder into bad choices. And Jennifer sighs. It's these damn superhuman laws. The law just hasn't caught up to what superpowered people are able to do. And it looks like we've got two cases here, one targeting Toomes as Toomes, the other targeting him as the vulture. Well, the two agree that they need to head to the courthouse to get this all sorted out. And once they get there, they are brought into a meeting room. And this meeting has two judges and two sets of prosecutors. And it all gets very heated as the two judges even argue with each other about which of them should hear the case. And everyone but the prosecutors agree that a pair of cases against the same man in two different identities is just not fair. Just then, the building shudders a bit and there's a sound like an explosion. Murdoch says, Tombs! He's escaping! Before Jennifer can ask how the heck Murdoch could know a thing like that, there's another shudder and another boom. And she sighs and she kicks off her shoes and dashes out of the meeting room, transforming into She-Hulk along the way. She runs down a hall toward the sounds of destruction and, turning a corner, sees Adrian Toomes halfway changed into the Vulture. How? she says. And the Vulture turns and laughs and pulls on another piece of his exosuit and she rushes at him and he swings and hits her early and, and sends her flying back. She-Hulk, surprised by Toomes' strength due to his exosuit, picks herself up and looks angry and determined and angry. And she rushes back. Toomes does his best to avoid She-Hulk's attacks, swinging back at her, and the fight goes on for a bit, absolutely wrecking the courthouse hallway. And then suddenly at the other end of the hall appears another costumed figure. He's in a, a red outfit with gold accents and a mask that covers the upper half of his face. It is the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. Or as Walters would come to know him, Mr. Flippy Dippy. He flippy dippies his way down the hall and joins the fight, and together She-Hulk and Daredevil are about to subdue Tombs. They knock him unconscious. They pull his exosuit pieces off of him before he can cause more damage. And this is really going to complicate your case, Adrian, says Mr. Flippy Dippy. Matt? says Walters. D uh says Daredevil. Matt Murdock? Walters asks again, her temper flaring. We were just talking not five minutes ago. You think I wouldn't recognize your voice? Uh, says Daredevil. Are you even blind? Asks She-Hulk. 
It's complicated, says Daredevil. She-Hulk squares off. Oh, I'm sure I wouldn't know anything about complicated. Okay, Murdoch, this is my case. I've decided it. You can head home. Daredevil gets up. He squares off. I don't think so, Walters. If anything, we've seen how classifying Adrian as a supervillain is becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'll take this case. And thus, we get an amazing She-Hulk Daredevil brawl. Daredevil does a great job avoiding She-Hulk swings, but despite his best efforts, he can't do much more than irritate She-Hulk with his own attacks. And it seems like it's just a matter of time before he's worn out of his flippy-dippies. Plus, the two are adding to the general destruction in the courthouse. Until they hear, STOP! IN THE NAME OF THE LAW! The two pause in mid-brawl, and then they hear, Neither of you gets this case. And they look, and in the dust cloud that their brawl has caused, they see a silhouetted figure. Why is that? asks She-Hulk, squinting into the dust. Because he's not in your jurisdiction. Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. the Vulture, isn't in the MCU. He's a Sony Marvel character, and as such, neither of you are legally allowed to represent him. That's why he needs an impartial lawyer. Me! Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. (laughs) And sure enough, stepping out of the dust is Harvey Birdman, the superhero turned attorney. Now, if you'll excuse me, and in a badly animated way, he walks to the unconscious form of Tombs, picks him up, and walks out of the courthouse. Huh, says Murdoch. Yeah. Huh, says She-Hulk, as she transforms back into Jennifer. So, um, wanna get a drink? Asks Murdoch. Yeah, I do. I really, really do, says Walters. Well, let let me get changed. Uh, there's a bar a couple blocks from here. Maui Bruce's Tiki Lounge. See you there, says Murdoch. See me there? Asks Walters. Figure a speech, says Murdoch. And with that, we pull out of the dusty courthouse and fade to black. The end. That was brilliant, Jonathan. I loved it. Thank you. I loved it. And if you I loved thought... it too. Oh, <laughs> I had to pull out shit. another superhero lawyer. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. Uh, it caught me completely off guard. Also, I was about to go into our old uh, spiel, and then I realized that we might need to address, adjust our email address. So, <laughs> But we, um, can, we can give our social because that has yes. stayed the same. Yes. So, so that means like on Twitter, we are still LNC underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram and Facebook, we're still Large Nerdron Collider. We also still have our webpage, LargeNerdronCollider.com, that I will keep updated as I can. Sometimes I fall behind. If you've been listening to the show or checking it out for a while, you know that. Uh, and despite all of the changes, if you like our show, you should still tell your friends. You should still like us and share the episodes. You should still write us and give us ideas for mashups or things you'd like us to talk about because we still love you. Yes, and you should still, you know, give us reviews on whatever mm-hmm. podcatching service that you, you listen to us on. Or if you want to be a real great Boy Scout or Girl Scout, you can leave great reviews on all the podcatching services. <laughs> That would be swell. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of homework. We're, we're not expecting anyone to do that. Yes, yes. Well, until next time, I have been Ariel. It is easy being green. Cast it. And I have been Jonathan. You know what? You would like it when I'm angry, Strickland. I still like you when you're angry.
the Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com.